Hello, you're listening to the season three premiere of Go Chuck Yourself. In this episode, Aaron and I will be discussing the season three premiere of Chuck. That is Chuck versus the Pink Slip. Uh, hopefully you have never received a pink slip. I have not received a pink slip. I have been, it's been implied that I should not return to a job, but I've never actually received the paperwork. Uh, and I guess in some ways Chuck does not receive that paperwork either, but we'll get into that in a minute. I just wanted to let you know that if you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us at go chuck yourself podcast at gmail.com, or you can always reach out on Twitter at go chuck pod. Make sure to like, and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. If you'd like to leave a review, we love reading them. Makes our day. Feel free to do that as well. That would be lovely. Uh, I think that's all that I have right here. So I hope that you are you're gainfully employed. Perhaps you're on your way to your job right now, or you are at your job currently. I hope that you remain gainfully employed for the duration of this episode and far beyond that. Enjoy. Here we go. Time's a charm. Here we are. It's Go Chuck Yourself Season 3. My name is Chris Gillespie. My name is Aaron Arada. And we are back in action. Uh, we are kicking off Season 3 of Chuck today with Chuck versus the Pink Slip. Uh, no Pink Slips here. Both of us are, are still here. They tried to fire us, but they can't. Who? who someone tried to fire you? Uh, me yeah, I was they, getting promoted. The executive producers said that I really needed to shape up my performance this season. Otherwise, I, I may not be around for season four. They said I was doing great. Just keep it up. And like if I if I do keep it up, I might be able to be like the main host. I might be what? able to do the intros and outros. That's fine. I'll just have to step up my game, I suppose, for this yeah, okay. season. So what are you going to do? Uh, I'm going to drive sales. <laughs> OK, I thought you were going to say you were going <laughs> to record while driving. <laughs> I'm going to record while driving. First, I'm going to acquire a car and I'm going to read my notes while driving. Yeah, sounds good. That would be there's, impressive. Yeah, I think there's that a would... little like element of danger because you might die, but you might not. I could horribly injure someone else. But then again, it really can't be any less dangerous than me eating an entire foot long Subway sandwich on the air. That that no. one didn't really stand to hurt other people. Maybe no, your girlfriend. It, it, it hurt me a decent amount. <laughs> Subway, you you make fine, delicious sandwiches, but not for not for little boys such as myself who are gluten and dairy intolerant. I didn't know you were gluten intolerant. Is that new? Surprise! Oh, season wow. three. <laughs> A big new reveal. for season three. I am minimizing my gluten intake. Uh, Have fun. Yeah, but so Subway, great sandwiches. Not for me though, and that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Um, that's I our... look forward. <laughs> Pledge to you or our advice to you. Subway is good, but not for Chris. Not for me. I look forward to seeing Subway products in Chuck and yes. eating them vicariously through the characters. Season two ended on a cliff note. Uh, <laughs> a cliff note. A small book summarizing. <laughs> the. Yeah, that's uh, what happened. In a sense, this show is kind of like cliff notes for Chuck. That's when you true. think about it. Season two, what I meant to say was ended on a cliffhanger. Chuck got the new Intersect downloaded into his head that involves more physical aspects. It's not just knowledge. Now he he learns how to do Kung Fu and presumably other skills as Many well. Many other skills. 
of course, the grander cliffhanger of season two is the fact that Chuck was probably going to get canceled and then it didn't get canceled. So now Chuck's back. So season season three starts uh, in what I'm sure we'll be discussing about later is a feels a little bit transitional to me. I don't know about you. What what do you mean by transitional? Like it feels like they kind of had things that they were wrapping up in a bow sort of at the on the last episode of season two. Okay. Aside from the cliffhanger of Chuck mm-hmm. getting Intersect 2.0 mm-hmm. and introducing the ring and everything. Mm-hmm. And then this episode and the beginning of season three kind of feels like they're undoing those bows and being like, oh, we didn't know we were going to be going yeah. okay. back for a new season. I see what you're saying. And on that note, why don't we transition into me talking about what those transitions are? Yeah. What a wonderful transition that was. <laughs> Thanks. Wow. So this episode begins six six weeks. At first I thought it said six months, but I think it's six weeks after the events of the last episode. Does that sound right to you? Yeah, six weeks sounds about right. Six weeks, which feels like a much shorter amount of time since we last talked about Chuck. I was like, wow, like, it, it seems like it's been a long time based on uh, the, the fact that the recap before the episode, I was like, it was not comprehensive at all. I was like, who is Chuck? Who are these other people? I don't remember. It was just like, here's what happened in the last episode. It didn't, it didn't say anything about his dad. It barely mentioned the intersect. So you're you're right in for the ride in this episode. Um, I will note that when I first began watching Chuck, I remember distinctly my friend telling me that at some point in the later seasons, Chuck's hair gets very good. And I'm happy to report that it is this season that Chuck's hair, it looks great. I thought it was good before. Like when, I, when we started season one, I was like, ah, I like, I'm liking that like kind of like skater boy look. Like it's kind of like very like what I was into in high school. But now it's looking great. I am resistant to change, so I haven't adjusted <laughs> to Chuck's new hair yet, but I'm glad that you're enjoying it. And I'm I enjoying look it a lot. <laughs> So we start with Chuck tied to a chair in Prague. He's getting a black bag pulled off of his head. And right away, I I wanted someone to get an Emmy Award for that hair. It was looking great. A Czech mobster type man who also has really good hair calls Chuck Agent Carmichael. We learn that Chuck is on an assignment in Prague for Beckman, who's communicating with him via an earpiece. And he's supposed to get some kind of a case from the mobster men. The leader with the good hair, whose name is Yuri, threatens to shoot Chuck, but Chuck flashes and uses his new intersect moves to disarm Yuri and get the gun from him. Beckman tells Chuck to shoot Yuri, but instead Chuck fights all the guys and knocks them out with his new skills. He takes the case and runs into the streets of a very fake-looking prog. <laughs> Beckman tells him to scale a roof and zip line out of there. The knowledge for this is supposed to be in the intersect. So Chuck gets up on the roof and prepares to zip away, but he can't flash! Oh my goodness! Nothing he does works. Then Yuri and the bad men... Possible, possible band name I have in parentheses, Yuri and the Bad Men. That's uh, not bad. Yeah. <laughs> Pun intended. Uh, uh, they, they come back and they point their guns at him. At this point, a spotlight clicks on and we learn that the title card lied to us. I wrote down in my notes, this isn't Prague. It was all a simulation. And that's why it looks so bad. But actually, it is supposed to be Prague. It just is also a simulation. It's cool that they had the ability to film the scene in what I'm assuming is some kind of Epcot-like version of <laughs> yes. the Czech Republic. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, they have it seems like they have three major buildings and there's like a couple of uh, streets to to give the the look that it goes on further. But yeah, I don't know why it had to be because like. 
they like they must know it looks weird and it could have like if it's if the point is that it's a simulation it could have been like just like ah the warehouse in saskatchewan or like whatever like it could it mm-hmm. didn't have to be prague it could have just been a facility that's um, true i think it's also maybe if you didn't listen maybe you're listening to the first time maybe you haven't listened to the previous episode where we talked about save chuck and the renewal of season three the budget for season three is significantly cut from the budget that they had for season one and two so i think i couldn't help but think that perhaps this was a side effect of the smaller budget i'm not judging them i'm glad that they're they're doing the thing but perhaps there are some moments where you're like ah that budget is uh is dwindling huh well i think that's completely fair i ironically my next note is this is going to be my season. It looks so good. I know we talked about the budget being less, but I think it looks great. So, but now, you heard it here first. Season three is the season of Aaron, everyone. <laughs> so, uh, much like the movie The Season of the Witch, this is the season of the Aaron. Uh, once the simulation is over and Chuck is back on the ground, Beckman gives us some background knowledge about how Chuck has been training for the past six weeks with the CIA to be a real spy, and they've spent millions of dollars on this, but I guess it's not working out. Case in point is that Chuck refused to shoot Yuri. Beckman says that Chuck will never be a spy because he can't control his emotions, and then she tranks him. Before he passes out, he says, You have no idea what I gave up for this. What did he give up for this? We're about to find out. We get some flashbacks to the immediate aftermath of the season 2 finale. Casey gives us more information about Chuck's training, and Sarah pulls Chuck aside to tell him that if he goes, he'll be a spy forever. She tells him to pretend to go to the training while she prepares some new identities for them. Then they'll run away together, leaving the spy life behind. Chuck says, cool, okay. (laughs) We get back to the present where Chuck is sitting on the couch with Devin and Ellie over him. He says he lost Sarah. Ellie suggests that he just give her a call, and he does. We then cut to Sarah emerging from a pool while her phone rings. There's this hot dude who she's apparently at the beautiful poolside location with, and he tells her someone is calling her. She sees it's Chuck, and she throws her phone into the pool it take it kind of also takes a while for the phone like i don't i've never thrown my phone into a pool but like we see it ringing for a little while before it kind of like i'm, I'm happy it did break like because that was mm-hmm. realistic but it took a little while mm-hmm. she gotta put that thing in some rice <laughs> so doesn't doesn't seem like she really cares about no. it so, yeah I, she probably does more um we get to the credits and I was disappointed. I mean, we'll we'll learn why shortly, but uh, I was disappointed to see that Anna is no longer in the credits. So mm-hmm. that's I mean, it's not really like she was in the show before, but now she's definitely not in the show. So this is the first point where I was a little bit confused about something that had la- that had happened last season. Mm-hmm. After the credits, we find out that Chuck has returned to Devin and Ellie's, which he had moved out of. Like, did he find another apartment at any point? I don't I don't th- I don't think for reals. Yeah. <laughs> But he's apparently moved back because they're they comment on this. Um, he's I guess he's just back in his old room. Like I guess they would have just had an extra room. So like it's not a a huge deal. I think all of his stuff is still there. But mm-hmm. we we find out that he's staying with them. Uh, Devin asks how long he's planning to stay. There's kind of a cool sequence. I don't know if you liked this, but I thought this was kind of fun where we see multiple days of Chuck like putting on slippers on a robe. He's eating a giant bucket of cheese balls and he's sitting on the couch and then it like goes to the next day and it's like the same thing and during this time he grows a full beard it's like mm-hmm. a real i thought i thought he looked pretty good he kind of looked like chris evans this is a, a uh, an allusion to the big lebowski which the... i haven't seen i read that in uh, a lot of the wikipedia synopses but i'd never seen that so he chuck slowly transitioned into the dude 
does the dude transition into the dude at any point or the dude is just the dude? The dude is always the dude. Okay. But that's kind of like in uh in Endgame when Thor is like that. That's also a reference to the Big Lebowski? Um I don't know if it is. This was because the song that they play in Chuck is also from the Big Lebowski. Oh, okay. So it's like direct direct reference. Would I like that? Huh? Would I like the Big Lebowski? I think so. Okay. All right. I think well, most people like it. All right. I'll watch it. In an attempt to snap Chuck out of his funk, Ellie brings over Morgan, who's visiting from Hawaii and also is just in his chef's outfit, even though he works in Hawaii. I don't know. Like, I mean, we find out more about this later, but he's just he shows up in a chef's outfit with like the little bottles of water and oil and he's got his knives and everything. He says (laughs) that it's so weird and so unsanitary. And like if the if the jig is that like he's come from Hawaii and he's been working in Hawaii like so he presumably he wore his chef's outfit onto the plane he just like puts it on every day like i don't know if he like just got off the plane and went straight to chucks but like if he didn't he went back to wherever he's staying he like rested and then he put his chef's outfit back on and went out into the wild yeah it was just kind of like a, oh you remember this is the thing that morgan was doing like, yeah. oh okay i got gotcha. you <laughs> So he says that things are going well at Benihana and Chuck says, ah, we should get together sometime before immediately going back to sleep. Ellie tells Chuck he has to snap out of it. Then she leaves him with his cheese balls because those are all he cares about. Mm. I related to that. I, I kind of want cheese balls now. Once everyone is gone, Chuck reaches for his big bucket of cheese and he finds it empty. He sees the sticker on the bottom, which I don't know if you clocked this at all, but it's a barcode with no numbers. And then it just says buy more like really big. (laughs) I get the visual point of that, but that's not what barcodes look like. Uh, We've got a barcode snob over here. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. I I saw that and I was like, that doesn't look right, but I couldn't put my (laughs) finger on it. But that's what it was. It was a barcode without any of the numbers. That must have just been like they couldn't fake numbers yeah there's no like you know the phone number 555 equivalent for barcodes i guess not um so he gets an idea we cut to the buy more so chuck is still in his robe and sunglasses and a baseball hat he's incognito he sneaks past his old co-workers to get some cheese puffs he he could have just got them not at the buy more i mean not in an electronic (laughs) store but he goes there uh he has a brief interaction with jeff where jeff is basically behaving like a robot We also see Skip Johnson, which I was, he's the one that I've missed the most, I think. We cut to Emmett, who's running things from a back room where he's set up with a bunch of cameras. He sees Chuck walking off with the cheese puffs and I guess thinks that Chuck's planning to steal them. So he sends security after him. That's like profiling and is bad, but it's Emmett. So he does that kind of stuff. In the process, Chuck takes off his sunglasses and Emmett realizes that it's actually Chuck. He didn't, he didn't know this before. He calls the staff over to take a good look at Chuck's failure since leaving the buy more. Everyone seems pretty excited to see him, though, or at least they like perk up when they hear his name. So I thought that was pretty cute. Emmett calls Chuck pathetic and a bunch of other mean things, and the emotional overload causes Chuck to start flashing like crazy. Instead of beating Emmett up, though, he tries to take out his aggression on the bucket of cheese balls. Emmett sees Chuck's frustration, though, and he says, you don't know how close you came to getting your ass kicked. And then it kind of looks like he's going to kiss Chuck, but he doesn't. I kind of like that vibe. Emmett leaves and security follows him. At this point, Jeff and Lester rush over, hoping Chuck has returned to take back control of the buy more. Chuck is distracted when Jeff mentions that he's seen Sarah coming in and out of the orange orange. Chuck rushes over there to find her, but instead he's attacked by Casey, who calls him pathetic and also a lemon. And that's a thing that they keep saying in this episode. Is that like, is that a word for like a loser guy? Have you heard that before? Are you implying that I'm a loser guy that would know no, the insults for that? Well, either you are you are a lemon or you've called people a lemon. That's I've what never I'm implying. Co- 
I've never called anyone a lemon, so I must be a lemon then. But is that a phrase? I, I've never heard of it. I okay. just assumed it was like a spy lingo thing that they had. Okay, sure. Um, I could pull up dictionary.com, but I'm not going to do it. Chuck I think this Casey. is a job for UrbanDictionary.com. Oh, you're right. Your favorite beep, beep, beep. website. Chris spends a lot of time on UrbanDictionary.com. <laughs> he's a he's a gold star editor. <laughs> <laughs> I do not appreciate that. I mean, it's it's kind of a compliment because you're informed about the world and language. Um, uh, lemon, another word for idiot or moron. Uh, is this from Urban Dictionary? Yeah, lemon car, a really crappy car. I did. I have heard of that one. Um, lemon in the wor- world of fandom. Check out fan fiction. A lemon is a story which consists of sexually explicit themes and situations. Hell yeah. Anyhow. Okay, so um, Chuck is one of those things. <laughs> he asks Casey if he's talked to Sarah, and Casey says no, but immediately after his phone rings and Chuck sees that Sarah's the one calling, Chuck asks to talk to her, but Casey won't give him the phone. He tells Sarah he'll see her that night. Chuck looks around and sees the name of a restaurant on a file and on Casey's computer, so I guess we know where he and Sarah will be going later. Chuck offers to come along on the mission to prove that he can still be a spy, even though he's been kicked out, out he's been pink-slipped. Casey says he heard Chuck was having trouble flashing. He asks what happened between Chuck and Sarah, and Chuck says, something I need to fix. Also, I want to say here, um, I thought that the train station thing was the season three finale, so I have no idea what happens in season three. I thought we were building up to that, but that's the first episode, so who knows? Well, I'm glad that we're on the same page, because I had to... uh, Also, new listeners to the program, you may not be aware, because I don't know if I've mentioned it before, but I have all of the episodes of Chuck on DVD in the the season box sets because I was unaware about I didn't know that streaming was going to happen. So I had all the DVDs. And the other day I had to break the seal on my my season three set. (laughs) I have so I've never rewatched any of season three. So I have no idea what's going to happen. I just have loose inklings. And so, yeah, I am also kind of going into this blind as well. Yeah, pretty fun. It's pretty exciting, actually. Maybe that's why this will be my season. Season three, it's the season of Aaron. <laughs> Maybe I'm in this season. We cut to Chuck shaving off his new beard, tying up the old Converse and busting out the nerd herd uniform, including the good old pocket protector. Pocket protectors, in my mind, seem like a kind of a handy thing. They hold all your pens. Looks like maybe you can have like a little notepad in there. I don't understand why they get a bad rep. Do you know why? No, um, I didn't. I've never I don't think I've ever seen one in real life. Um, I haven't either. Yeah, but yeah, I think that could be that could be useful. I mean, you don't want to like, I don't. Well, not a lot of shirts have pockets, especially shirts for women. So, mm-hmm. like, I don't know that it would be really helpful for me, like in my wardrobe. But like, I think it. I think we should have more things in which, like, we should have pockets, and we should have things to protect those pockets. Absolutely. So. Now that he's all geared up, Chuck heads over to the uh, restaurant club. It seems to be some kind of Mexican infused restaurant. Yes. Uh, Chuck quickly maneuvers past the bouncers, saying that somebody called for help repairing the soundboard. So he's up to his old old antics using his nerd herd disguise as a uh, as a way to get into places. Mm-hmm. Chuck strolls in and passes Casey, who is undercover as a bartender. As usual. Casey grimaces upon seeing Chuck and Chuck keeps on walking by. Casey pages Sarah, who is revealed to be sitting at a nearby table. She gets up and approaches Chuck. Chuck says that he is just here as backup and to prove to Beckman that he is not a screw up. 
Sarah sees a group of dangerous looking men enter, uh, being led by her friend. I don't know if we ever learned his name. And she uh, tells Chuck to kiss her. Chuck is confused, but Sarah insists. So Chuck does. The leader of the dangerous men, a.k.a. Sarah's friend, sees this. And Sarah eventually pushes Chuck away and slaps him across the face, knocking him down. Sarah's friend asks Sarah what she's doing. And she said that her ex is having a hard time letting go as they step over Chuck and onto the dance floor. Later in the prep kitchen, Chuck, Sarah, and Casey are hanging out because despite it being a seemingly busy night, no one is walking into the kitchen. Nope. Uh, Casey roasts Chuck for being knocked down by a slap, and Chuck says that he wants to apologize for basically failing them while he was training in Prague and that he knows that he can be a spy. Sarah, uh, Sarah, don't give a shit, so she storms out to return to her new man friend, and Casey explains to Chuck that they have everything under control. They're just using Sarah's friend as a way of simply luring out a ring courier Remember, the ring is this season's enemy, faceless enemy group. Uh, the yes. courier's name is Javier Cruz. So the CIA uh, are planning on capturing Cruz and pouncing on him. Turns out this whole restaurant is a just a big CIA cover up thing. Yeah, that seems to happen a lot. When Casey says Javier's name, Chuck flashes on Javier and realizes that he's actually a deadly assassin and not a courier. Chuck tries to warn Casey, but the club's security slash i guess just the cia kick chuck out so it's really sort of a uh boy who cried wolf situation because no one believes chuck now because they think he's just trying to win them over again but he actually has some important information so chuck struggles to knock down the locked door uh behind the restaurant and he realizes that he needs to flash so he calms down and then eventually enters kung fu mode as he does this a musician approaches chuck to ask a question and chuck kicks him in the face knocking him unconscious as Chuck examines the musician's body, he realizes that he can undress him and take his clothes and pretend to be the club's musical act. So this is what he does. Cut to Chuck inside the club, dressed as the musician, carrying a guitar. Chuck tries to find Sarah and Casey, but is found by the stage manager first and is ushered onto the stage. The club applauds as Chuck takes the stage and Sarah and Casey see this and are pissed, thinking that Chuck is going to blow the entire operation. Meanwhile, the rest of the musicians in the band ask Chuck where Manny, the singer, is. And Chuck says, spasticolin, I'm filling in for him. <laughs> so, That's his favorite excuse. Sounds like Manny had Subway for dinner. <laughs> oh, no. Chuck struggles to entertain the crowd, but then he looks at the guitar and he flashes. All of a sudden, he is an expert in playing flamenco guitar, much to his surprise. Chuck whispers assassin to Casey from the stage, and Casey understands this and asks, where? And Chuck shrugs. We cut to the musician who is still outside. He's just waking up now. He's confused and he rips off a wig and his fake mustache, revealing an angry man who I'm assuming is Javier the assassin. It's Javier! Sarah's friend asks Sarah if she wants his men to get rid of Chuck, but Sarah says no and invites uh, him to go dance on the dance floor. Sarah's buddy has more questions, but Sarah deflects them and tries to distract him with her sensuality. Casey's had enough of this bullshit and tells one of his operatives to tranquilize Chuck, so the agent fires at Chuck, but Chuck dodges the dart. So it misses him and hits the keyboard player behind him instead, knocking him unconscious. From the stage, Chuck sees a red laser focus on Sarah's friend's head and then on Sarah. So Chuck freaks out and leaps from the uh, leaps from the stage, shouting Sarah, knocking Sarah to the ground and forcing all of the undercover operatives to take out their guns and reveal themselves. Sarah asks Chuck what he's doing, and he says that there's an assassin here, but no one, including Sarah, believes him. Casey says that they've been planning this operation for months. And say that it's a good thing that there are so many agents there because he's going to kill Chuck. Several of the agents intervene and stop Casey while Chuck explains to Sarah that he flashed and that she was in danger. Sarah says, you don't work anymore, Chuck. It's over. And storms off. 
Meanwhile, outside, Javier finds Chuck's pocket protector that Chuck dropped outside and uh, heads heads off. Heads yeah, off does. with the name badge. That happens a lot. I feel like Chuck should get like a fake one, maybe. Like, because considering how often he uses and considering how often people have found it, does he have multiple? Because people keep taking them. Yeah, so you have to keep going to Big Mike and getting them printed out. <laughs> yeah. The next day, Ellie and Awesome see Chuck for the first time since he's shaved and are both pleased to see him. However, Chuck says that shaving was a rash decision and sits down on the couch with his new jar of cheese balls. Ellie walks into the kitchen while Devin approaches Chuck and quietly says, Still playing the loser cover man? You're nailing it. And then Chuck says, in his normal speaking volume, it's not a cover. It's my life. I got fired for real. I'm not a spy anymore. Me- Ellie is just in the kitchen and they have that whole <laughs> breakfast nook. It's like and he's talking at normal volume. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Devin is surprised and says, this is really you. And Chuck introduces himself as Chuck Bartowski, cheeseball addict. Devin asks, does the CIA just let you leave like that? Don't they send someone to kill you? And Chuck laughs it off, saying that that is just in the movies. But after Devin leaves, we can see that Chuck is now also wondering this. Is he going to be taken out by the CIA? I mean, he was supposed to be like twice already. So <laughs> Later that night, Chuck is asleep on the couch, cradling his cheese balls. That sounds wrong, but it's factually accurate. <laughs> The TV is showing static. He's woken up by footsteps behind him. When a hand taps him on the shoulder, Chuck leaps up and says, don't kill me, while holding the cheese balls like a weapon. Turns out it's just Morgan who came in through the Morgan door and is now petrified. Morgan says that Ellie asked him to come check on Chuck, and Chuck says that he just wants to be left alone. Morgan then proceeds to say that he's known Chuck a long time, and Chuck might be an unmotivated underachiever, but he's not a loser. Morgan asks Chuck what's going on, and Chuck says that without going into specifics, He blew a major job opportunity twice. Morgan brushes this off and says that Chuck hasn't even scratched the surface of being a loser. Morgan leads Chuck to the buy more after hours because once again, anyone can just stroll in, including two people who no longer work there. Even though it's under Emmett's control, apparently they can just still walk right in. Morgan explains that he was fired from Benihana because he couldn't flip the shrimp. I'm assuming that's because the shrimp is probably the easiest thing to flip. Or is, is that's just like the most basic Benihana function you is flipping be, the shrimp. Well, I was thinking maybe he got, well, I'm not a Benihana expert, so maybe you have to be to understand this joke. I was just thinking like, oh, that was, there was only one thing he couldn't do? That's pretty good. But it, it makes sense <laughs> if it's the most basic thing, flipping the shrimp. But like, could he do the part where you like flip? Is it like flipping the shrimp into someone's mouth? Like, is that? Oh, that would be hard. Do? Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, but that's hard. You also have to, you know, the, the other, the receiving end has to be agile and ready to, to catch it. Yeah, um, it has to want to. If somebody tried to throw a shrimp at me, I'd be like, gross, get that away. I think it's a real, um, it's a real shame that we have not been to a, uh, a hibachi grill in the course of our friendship. I think we should rectify that as soon as possible. Let's do it. When I visit New York, we're going. Is there, I think there's a Benihana in New York. There's got to be something somewhere, there's gotta right? There's got to be something, yeah. That'd be fun. All right. So uh, <laughs> we record there live. <laughs> live from Benihana. <laughs> that would be obnoxious. Everyone would be so upset. <laughs> We're trying to record while people are throwing shrimp at us and spraying us with sake. We'll be like, so in this time it's Chuck. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Sir, don't give it. <laughs> also, uh, so this is more important. Not only was Morgan fired from Benihana, but Anna left him for another chef. Yep. So... For this reason, we will not be seeing Anna ever yeah. again nope. in the Buy More, except for one episode later this season where she makes her final appearance. Oh my god, does she? I didn't know that. Yeah. 
as they enter the home theater room, which is where Morgan has been crashing this whole time, we learn that Morgan has really moved all the stuff into the home theater room. He's been sleeping there. He's been cooking uh, dinner in the in the ovens, I guess, and he's doing laundry. And no one has noticed this. And Emmett, Emmett has it, not. Emmett has cameras, <laughs> but apparently, like Emmett has a camera into the home theater room, but apparently did not notice any of the stuff. Just noticing it right now. <laughs> Emmett, who's still in his store, uh, still in the store, even though it's late, he's in his office, which is uh, adorned with a large Bimoria flag, is now just discovering that Morgan is living in his store. He says Grimes, and uh, he then elaborates that he's not surprised that Morgan did not succeed in Asian business culture <laughs> and makes a mental note to call the authorities the next day. So now at this point, uh, I will be fulfilling a promise that I've made which is to incorporate declassified scenes into the episode recaps in real time. No longer will we wait until after the season. So this is the first declassified scene that Aaron did not see, but I saw on the DVD. Oh, okay. This is exciting. So Chuck, Morgan, and Jeff and Lester are now drinking and hanging out in the home theater room. When Emmett comes in and kicks them out, he tells Morgan that he needs to pack his stuff up and... Uh, then talks about how he's going to get restraining orders on both Chuck and Morgan. He then proceeds to talk about his love of Wilson Phillips and the pepper spray that he's carrying on his belt. Morgan and Chuck agree to pack up and leave and Emmett heads out satisfied. So that's like setting up what happens later, but I I see why they cut that. That's not necessary. It's not necessary, but also how did Jeff and Lester get there as well? That means that they cut out another scene of Jeff and Lester being at the Bymore. Yeah. I don't know. Because they're like hanging out. They're like crushing beers and just chilling. And then mm-hmm. Emmett comes in. Anyhow, so that was that was cut for time. Sarah and Casey are in Castle during this watching Chuck on their security feed. Sarah looks longingly at Chuck while Casey loads a minigun into a large case. Casey says that he doesn't know what went down between Chuck and Sarah. But he's seen men get their fingernails pulled off who are treated more humanely than how Sarah treated Chuck. Sarah says that she's just doing her job. And Casey says, job's over. It's time to put him out of his misery. In the Bymore parking lot, uh, out back, kind of like in the receiving area, Emmett is finally leaving the store and gets into his car and puts Wilson Phillips on the radio when he notices a stranger roaming around. Emmett gets out of his car, and we see that the stranger is Javier from before, holding (gasps) Chuck's pocket protector and the nerd herd badge. He asks Emmett where he can find Chuck, and Emmett says that Chuck is no longer an employee of the store. Emmett then starts to make fun of Chuck, but then starts to be a jerk to Javier, insulting his boots. Javier doesn't move, so Emmett starts to intimidate him by showing off his pepper spray on the belt. Emmett's really just going through this power trip thing. Uh, Eventually, Javier decides to walk away. And Emmett uh, says a a derogatory phrase under his breath towards Javier. Oh, he does. So Javier turns around and shoots Emmett with an actual gun. (laughs) We are then shown Emmett falling into a pile of... I guess, recycles, recyclables or cardboard boxes or trash or whatever. And then we see a close up shot of Emmett's bloodstained glasses with a bullet hole through them. That was okay. So (laughs) So it seems like Emmett is pretty solidly dead. (laughs) So my notes here, I have two bullet points immediately following each other. It is Tony Hale is really good. And then, holy shit, did Tony Hale just die? And that was pretty gruesome. Like, I was I was watching that scene, and I guess, like, there's probably a little, like, hint of memory to this as well. But I was like, 
I can't believe no one ever just shoots him. Like, no one ever gets just shot in this show. And then he just, he did. I also have two bullet points. I have, I was shook by this, and I did not see this coming. Yeah, no, like, because I was thinking, like, kind of like the train station thing, I was thinking, um, I I don't remember Emmett being here for this long. And then, mm. uh, and then I now I know why. Well, I had, when this happened, I remembered, I was like, oh, okay. I recall Emmett leaving in a very kind of abrupt manner mm-hmm. that I did not see coming. So it was a little bit familiar. Uh, yeah, it was kind of strange inside inside the buy more. Anyhow, Chuck is helping Morgan carry his things out of the home theater room uh, to go to apparently Ellie and Devin's apartment. But the two are walking slowly and reflecting upon their time at the buy more, which has most certainly unequivocally come to an end yes, as they definitely. do this. <laughs> Sarah appears in the entranceway of the store and Morgan immediately uh, leaves to give Chuck and Sarah some privacy. Sarah says that she wanted to give Chuck a proper goodbye. So they shake hands uh, in what can only be described as a bad handshake. (laughs) It is sterile and insincere and we got a close up shot of it. Chuck says it's been a pleasure working with her and Sarah agrees. It's very formal and uncomfortable. Chuck breaks into an emotional speech and as this is happening, Sarah notices Several hitmen approaching Chuck from behind, but she's very nonchalant about it. Yeah. She tries to warn Chuck, but doesn't really speak up or yell or anything. She's more just like, Chuck, like, hey, hey, Chuck. She's not like, Chuck. She's just like. She's a calm person. What do you want from her? She's acting like he has something in his teeth, though. (laughs) Not not that these guys are sneaking up on him. So Chuck just tries, asks her to let him finish. But apparently Javier has several people working for him. so. Javier is there as well, and Javier knocks Chuck unconscious. Sarah is then surrounded by Javier and his men. Later, Chuck wakes up in a prison cell somewhere. Javier enters, and Chuck wakes up. Chuck apologizes for knocking Javier out at the club, and I guess he realizes that Javier was the musician, even though that's never really conveyed during the club scene. He just, if you strip someone while they're unconscious, I guess you never forget their bone structure. That was creepy. Uh, (laughs) Chuck says that he really enjoys mariachi music, which was the cover that Javier had. uh, And that Chuck says that he's a certified nobody. Chuck says that or Chuck is saying this as Javier strips off his jacket and then his shirt, revealing his ripped torso. (laughs) Very kind of confused about what's going to happen next. But (laughs) this could go one of two ways. It could. Well, if you read my uh, fan fiction, it will go one of those ways. It will uh, be a lemon. (laughs) So, yeah, Javier is very ripped and very hot. He takes off his shirt and he challenges Chuck to land another punch. Unfortunately, Chuck is not able to flash, so he just gets the shit kicked out of him. Javier says Chuck is going to tell him who he is, who he works for, and all about Sarah. Chuck passes out and flashes back to Sarah, waiting for him at the train station in Prague, where they plan to run away together. Sarah gives Chuck a new passport and a train ticket. Chuck tries to interrupt her, but she kisses him. They kiss for a minute, and then she pulls back and says, that's not the kiss I was expecting. I mm. guess, like, I understand this. I guess I guess it's kind of like a different kind of kiss. I don't know what kind of kiss it was. It was it was a kiss. They had a kiss, you know? But there was no, Chuck clearly wasn't, he wasn't feeling it. He wasn't passionate. He wasn't really kissing her back. Mean, she like, was just kissing what him. What if he's nervous about running away together? Like, what if he has some some thoughts? I don't know. I don't know what kind of what kind of kiss like. Is there a kiss for every moment, Chris? (laughs) 
So Chuck admits that he wants to stay and be a spy. Sarah says it's not as simple as helping people and doing something important. She says that the only thing that's actually real is them. The train whistle blows on a very real train that looks very real. And she asks Chuck if he's coming. <laughs> Chuck hands her back the ticket. So I want to ask, I guess I'll bring us to a standstill again to ask, what do you what do you think about this? Do you think Chuck is in the right? Do you need more information? Do you think like, were you sad? Were you like intrigued? What were you feeling? I will touch upon this later in the episode. Mm -hmm. I think overall I was, in a word, confused. And I will elaborate on that more. Okay. And briefly. All right. I also have more to say about the scene later. So I will... Um... Good. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, that'll be great. See you then. Uh, a, little, a little preview. Back at Castle, Casey and some guy, we never find out who this guy is, but like some <laughs> other agent, they're trying to figure out where Sarah disappeared to. They ping her phone to the buy more and scan through the security footage. Casey sees Emmett's body. So at this point, we're like, shit, he is really dead. <laughs> and he tells the guy to trace through all the cars that were in the buy more parking lot that day. The guy says, on whose authority? And Casey says, mine, the colonel. Which, like, who is this guy? Why doesn't he know that Casey is a colonel? Why, like, why is he questioning him? I don't know who this guy is. Chuck wakes up and tries to flash so he can kick the prison door open, but he can't. As it turns out, though, Sarah is in the cell next to him, and they can hear each other through the concrete wall? I don't know how that works, but they can hear each other. Sarah tells Chuck that he has it within him to be a real spy and to flash. Chuck isn't so sure. Sarah says... Don't freak out. And then they kind of have a little laugh together because that's the show's catchphrase that everyone knows. The door to Chuck's cell opens and Javier comes in saying he's going to hurt Chuck, then go after Sarah. This makes Chuck flash. At this point, I have a note that says, is flashing a metaphor for erectile dysfunction? What do you think, Chris? <laughs> I Possibly. They, I uh, they do draw a lot of parallels between yeah. the two. I don't think they're like, going all the way with that reference but like mm -hmm. i feel like it's there like it's very on the surface yeah they could it's surprising that they don't do more with that based yeah. off of some maybe of it's the... coming neither of us knows what happens in season three so maybe that's just all of season three relax don't do it nah, 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 do well it. i don't know that that's that's not his problem his problem is he can't even get to that point oh <laughs> okay so chuck knocks javier <laughs> out with one punch Sarah shouts to ask what happened, and Chuck says, something awesome, which is not descriptive enough, but I mean, I guess it is kind of like, if he's saying it's awesome, something good happened. He grabs the keys and a kind of circular tablet from Javier, then breaks Sarah out. He tries to tell her what happened, but she tells him they better talk and run. They come up and out of a church that appears to be in Mexico. I don't know how Javier got them, like, across the border, all that. I feel like there's a lot of complications <laughs> here, but it's fine. Immediately, they're part of a shootout. They climb up to the roof of the church and Chuck sees an electrical line. He finally flashes on zipline things and tells Sarah to hang on. Apparently, this is more of an escape situation and less of a people who are hiding behind walls are now in the open sky, just zipping along and definitely ripe for being shot. So they land safely. It's fine. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's a moving target. That's a thing. But I feel like if you're behind a wall, I feel like you're safer than if you're just like in the sky. Like, I feel like people could shoot you pretty easily. Mm. But I don't yeah, know. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, the show does not think that. And maybe the show is right. Unfortunately, though, um, even though they zip across the sky and land in a new location, the gunmen find them immediately. The bad guys have their guns pointed at Chuck and Sarah, but this is Chuck, so they don't shoot for a really long time. So long, in fact, <laughs> that Chuck is able to tell Sarah he has something to tell her, and Casey is able to show up in a helicopter with his really big gun. 
Casey shoots up this poor Mexican town while Sarah and Chuck run and hide. Casey laughs and murders a bunch of people with his gun. Eventually, <laughs> Chuck and Sarah make it into the helicopter and they fly away. How nice. <laughs> Did you notice in this sequence that there was a an explosion that took place at nighttime, even though the rest of the scene takes place at daytime? <laughs> no, I didn't. But Oh, I thought I saw that. And uh-huh. then I was confirmed when I was looking at IMDb mm-hmm. about it later. Looking at the goofs. There's while there's like things exploding and it's Casey shooting. Mm-hmm. There's a car that explodes that's very clearly at nighttime. <laughs> and then it goes back to the daytime. And I was just like. Nice try. Right. Yep, that's very funny. <laughs> uh, back in Castle, Chuck, Sarah, and Casey debrief with Beckman. She explains that the device Chuck found is a custom smartphone for the ring, and it's the first one they ever recovered. Reluctantly, she says she's putting Operation Bartowski back in the field, and they're all going to work together to take down the ring. Chuck is excited, but Casey, and especially Sarah, are less than enthused. Chuck asks what his new cover will be, and we cut immediately to the Bymore, where Chuck, Casey, and Morgan all have their jobs back. Casey's apparently spreading a rumor that Emmett took a job at a large mart in Anchorage, even though he's dead. I don't know if this comes back up. I assume it has to, but it's very weird like that. <laughs> I mean, I guess they don't want to deal with everybody grieving or like the but I feel like if if Chuck finds that out at some point, he's going to be pretty betrayed. But like, it's kind of a weird situation because he didn't like Emmett. Like, I don't know. Somebody died. It's weird. Do you think it's weird? Yes, I think it's weird. All right, it's pretty weird. I will, I will be elaborating on this as well. Okay, great. Um, another little preview. You've, you've sunk my battleship. You found <laughs> all of the things that I was going to talk about okay. at the end of the episode. So Beckman calls Sarah to tell her it's her job specifically to keep Chuck's emotions in check because his new power is so dangerous. She says, for the last two years, we've protected Chuck from the world. Now we have to protect the world from Chuck. Apparently now he's important again. So I don't know, like... I don't know why she fired him at the beginning and then like this is happening. Like it doesn't really track when they I was like, couldn't they have? I know for a long time, like Chuck started off and he was the asset and there was protecting Chuck. And I was mm-hmm. like trying to get the thing out of Chuck's mm-hmm. head or blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, why don't they just try to why if they had this training program for spies that they Chuck could go through? Why did not they do some form of that? When he had the intersect 1.0, yeah, to at least catch him up to speed instead of yeah. being like, well, he's disposable. But now that he has the intersect 2.0, they're like, oh, we'll spend millions of dollars to train. I'm like, it just seems weird that. And where's his dad decided now? That. Like, why? Can't yeah, what happened to his dad? Who I don't knows? know. I don't know. So Chuck comes home, and Ellie and Devin are in the midst of moving into an apartment that just opened up across the courtyard. I so first of all my first question is why didn't they just make Chuck take the new apartment like why did they have to uproot themselves well, I think it's all, probably bigger and better I think I'm right, sure second of all they're like Chuck you can get a roommate and I think this is crazy because they think that he on his buy more salary can pick up the slack from two doctors two doctors were paying the rent and they're like yeah okay um how did they get into this new apartment? How did it happen so fast? Why didn't they tell Chuck sooner? Why didn't he hear anything about this? Did it just happen today or has it been going on? Nothing. We don't know any of that. <laughs> but they're excited to be moving. Morgan is there for some reason and he asked Chuck to make the apartment that is now open their bachelor pad. So I guess Morgan and Chuck are somehow going to be able to afford this now. That's really nice for them. I'm happy for them. Morgan calls dibs <laughs> on Ellie's room. seemed really sincere. <laughs> I'm happy for them. I mean, it's a beautiful apartment. I'm happy for anyone to have it. Yeah, it is. Morgan calls dibs on Ellie's room, which is like really messed up. Um, Then he goes into the apartment like that. He literally like a second ago was like, I live here now. So he's in there. 
Sarah shows up and asks to talk with Chuck. They convene around the fountain as usual. Chuck tries to explain that he always felt like a loser, then really important people told him he could make a difference and he couldn't let go of that. Sarah stops him and says she acted impulsively and it was a mistake and it won't happen again. She says he's a spy now and he has to keep his feelings to himself. Then she bounces. She's gone. She don't give a shit. Yeah, she is. Those emotions, that vulnerability that we saw before, it's all back bottled up. It's all suppressed. Hell yeah. Or repressed, I should say. Casey comes out of his apartment right then and says it's time for Chuck's training, which is apparently happening that night. I don't know. Chuck didn't know anything about this. I have the Tiger starts to play and they set up a boxing ring. Chuck is able to flash this time and we cut just before he and Casey hit each other. And my final note for this episode is, woo, baby, we're back. And it uh, turns into a lithograph like at the end of Rocky three. This is the reference for that. Yeah, I see somebody's been reading IMDb. Well, I, I, this was something I suspected, and mm-hmm. then I had to go confirm to make sure I knew which Rocky movie it was was from. Mm-hmm. So that is the the rollicking opening of season three, Chuck versus the Pink Slip. Although he never receives a Pink Slip at any point. No, he doesn't, and I wish, <laughs> I wish that he had. Although I think they could have done this episode could have been called Chuck, Chuck versus the Lemon would have been good, or Chuck versus. Uh, the cheese balls. Chuck versus the cheese balls would be a better yeah, title. Yeah, I think that would have been really good. All right, just to give a little bit of, um, I don't know, we're going to be calling this context now. Just some fun fun facts from Wikipedia. Um, Chuck versus the Pink Slip drew 70, nope. Chuck versus the Pink Slip drew 7.7 million viewers for a score of 3.0 in the 18 to 49 share. What does that mean? I'm not going to tell you because I don't really know, but that's uh, that's what happened with season three. So I know that people were concerned that they would get Chuck renewed and then the um, the viewership would still go down. It seems like they did pretty well. This is this episode features the first time a character refers to Chuck with the title of Agent Bartowski. According to Wikipedia, it says prior to this, he has either been referred to as Mr. Bartowski, the asset, Agent Carmichael, Chuck or the uh, IMDb says or by Casey with insults and pejoratives. So all of those things (laughs) still happen. But I guess this is the first time he's ever called Agent Bartowski. I think that Mm. must be a pretty big deal for him. So we were talking about how the set in Prague looks um, a little iffy, but there's also some like writing things relating to the Prague scenes. Uh, Sarah tells Chuck to meet her at the Nadrazi train station, but Nadrazi in Czech actually means station. So I think that there's kind of a double station station here. Um, She also should have said, meet me at, I'm not going to try to, there. If you want to look on Wikipedia to say what she should have actually said to refer to that train station, you can, but I'm not going to try to pronounce it. Um, I'm sorry to our Czech listeners. I'm sure you could say it much better than me. Um, Also, although the the Czech texts on the station are correct, there is a window with a sign that says Latenki, which means airline tickets. So that's another another little Czech goof for you. There's also um, says there's no such view from the main railway station in Prague, such as that portrayed in the show. So there's there's some more goofs than uh, there's some noticeable goofs. And then there's some goofs that I'm sure our uh, our Czech viewers are thinking our, our Czech Czech viewers are are noticing them. I wonder if that was that must have been deliberate, right? Like when you were talking about all the places they could have had the training happen that they picked Czech Republic because it sounds like Chuck. You think that was a that was probably a creative <laughs> um, choice, right? Maybe. Sure. That seems like some kind of dumb humor that the the writers would try to slip in there. I'm I'm sure, actually, now that you you say that. Yeah. Yeah. 
there you go. I bet they uh, they didn't know that they were going to be grilled so hard on the geography of Prague in this in this episode. Well, show Prague some respect. Damn it, Chuck. So here we are in season three, and now we are ready for the first Chuck Mary kill of this new season. Aaron, what would you like to marry? So um, this is going to be another one of my Aaron's uh, Aaron discusses frightened rabbit quarters. Um, oh, yeah. The scene when they are at the train station has the song My Backwards Walk, which I thought mm-hmm. was an incredible choice, um, mm. like almost too on the nose, because like when they had like Keep Yourself Warm, that was like kind of a weird choice. Like it was mm. it was good to hear it. And like thematically, like mood wise, it was OK. But this is like lyrically very relevant to the scene. Um, I want to point out. So I know that I talked about in the use of keep yourself warm. The lyric is it takes more than fucking someone to keep yourself warm. And they just like cut out the fucking to include include the song. Mm-hmm. Um, and this has a similar situation where the lyric is you're the shit and I'm knee deep in it. And they play that whole part like they could have just not played that part of the song, but they play that whole part, but just shut, cut out the word shit. So it's mm-hmm. just it's just there. Um, oh. And I think this music supervisor like must really love Frightened Rabbit because she's just like, hey, like, yeah, we're, we're putting this song, we're putting this part of this song. We're just going to like bleep out this word. No one will notice except me. I noticed, but it was still nice to hear it. So there you go. That's my Mary. I thought that it was a really good use of that song and just really good use of music in general. Frightened yeah. Rabbit, definitely the uh, the aesthetic of Chuck in many yeah, ways. They really yeah. are. This is like I didn't even this isn't even one of the songs that I remember being in it because like oh. there's. There's at least there's probably like six of them, I think. I, most of them are off of this one album. And then there's like a couple that are off of this other one. But they they've covered a lot of ground of like one of the Fried Rabbit albums. So there you go. There's my Mary. What about you? That's a good one. My Mary. Uh, it. Like many marriages, I suppose, <laughs> I'm entering this marriage with some doubts because I, <laughs> I wrote it down and then I was reflecting upon it and I was like, eh. But I'm sticking with it because okay. <laughs> I, I made a commitment. Uh, my Mary was Casey's empathy for Chuck okay. in this episode. Mm-hmm. I think this was a nice touch. Casey and Chuck didn't really have a falling out like Chuck and Sarah did mm-hmm. in between the end of season two and now. So it would make sense that Casey wouldn't really have any kind of beef with Chuck. Yeah. And Casey seems to feel for Chuck um, specifically when casey or chuck shows up when he's still disheveled and he shows up at the orange orange and kind of learns about the plan at the the club and then uh when casey speaks up to sarah about saying like that he that he thinks that sarah should talk to chuck um but that was a nice side of casey mm-hmm. that we don't usually see because i feel like he could probably have just been a jerk in this episode and not yeah. want anything to do with chuck but he seems to still value their relationship my caveat when I'm hung up about this is that Sarah, because Chuck basically did not broke up or seriously hurt Sarah's feelings. Mm-hmm. So why would Sarah have to apologize to Chuck about that? And like, why does Sarah have to apologize for being emotionally distant or feeling cold towards Chuck? Like, I feel like she has the right to do that. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, she doesn't have to. Like, you know, she can she's entitled. Chuck really uh, screwed her over. Yeah, I think um, we'll maybe get into this a little bit more in the in the following episode. But I I totally agree that like the the way that they play this, like I think it's it's a very bold choice. Like I think it's a very interesting choice, especially to begin the season that way. Because I thought the season ended that way, but like it's very interesting to have it be like Chuck had the opportunity to do exactly what he's been wanting to do for a while, and then like didn't take it i think that's a really interesting choice but i feel like 
this episode and maybe the second episode a little bit and maybe more because I haven't seen the third and fourth and so on yet. Um, I think they like they've made they've made this choice, which is interesting. And then I don't know if they know exactly how to handle the emotional fallout of it because they still Mm -hmm. need Sarah and Chuck to like be together. But he's like obviously betrayed her and that's bad. So I think there's some iffy things and I think that might be one of them. Well, what would you like to kill then? Um, this is going to come as no surprise based on everything that I've said. I just think that the the Prague set and like the fact that it was in Prague and everything, I think was just like, like I thought a lot of the show was really like, I thought it looked really high quality. I didn't notice a change. And not that like the sets were like incredible in season one, but like mm-hmm. they didn't, it didn't have to be Prague. It could have been anywhere. It could have like, as I said before, it could have been just a, just a, a fake, a fake city that's supposed to look fake. And it could, they could even been in, been in Prague, but they could have been like, this was a fake, a fake thing. We, this is our facility in Prague. It's like a bunch of miles away from anything. The only thing here is a train station, like whatever. Like it just looked like it pulled me out of it. And usually like the sets don't like the Mexico set, like looked fine. Like with the exception of the, the truck blowing up, like, I don't know that it looked like it didn't necessarily look accurate or anything, but I wasn't Mm -hmm. like, I wasn't like, wow, this looks so fake. So Mm -hmm. that was a little disappointing to me. My kill is a, uh, is the big death of the episode. I'm referring to, referring to this as the assassination of Emmett Milbarge. (laughs) Uh, yes, Emmett is an annoying character and is portrayed as someone that is a pain to all of the other characters. Mm -hmm. However, I don't think he deserved to be shot by an assassin and then fall into garbage and then have his death be covered up. So he basically goes to some kind of unmarked grave mm-hmm. somewhere. Uh, I don't think the punishment really fits the crime in my mind. It seemed more of like just a way of seriously getting rid of Emmett in a fast way. Mm-hmm. I, I especially don't understand why Casey wouldn't at least tell Chuck about it. Yeah. Because Chuck obviously knows what was going on with Javier. So Chuck, I think, could be trusted to keep a a professional secret like that yeah i could see them not wanting to tell other people but at the same time why couldn't they just say like yeah emmett was shot by someone killed leaving the buy more last night we don't know who shot him and yeah i feel like that just was it just struck me as kind of bizarre because it was supposed to be like are we supposed to be laughing that he's dead are we supposed to be happy that he's dead yeah because i feel like that's kind of like the implication like he's it's a little silly because they're playing Wilson Phillips, the mm-hmm. hold on song yeah. that I was trying to sing yesterday because it was stuck in my head after watching this episode. <laughs> you were trying is, to sing it? Yeah, it is not in my range because <laughs> I was just trying to get it out of my head and okay. it was not working. Is that is that something that you do? Like if something's stuck in your head, you try to like let it out by singing it? No, it's not. Okay. I <laughs> just was trying to sing it because it was stuck in my head and right. it's what I wanted to do at the sure, time. Sure, sure. So yeah, I uh, I don't I didn't care for that exit for yeah i think that's totally fair i like yeah the only reason i can think for not like informing chuck is that either they want to do something with it later which i don't know what they could possibly want to do or that like they didn't want to have like i don't know like it's weird because they could have had a larger emotional thing where it's like tony hill is the first person from chuck's like real life to have like to face the repercussions of his spy Mm -hmm. life like, and maybe they just didn't want to do that right now. Like, maybe they didn't want to deal with that right at the top of the season. But then, like, why even bother? Like, I don't know. It was, I agree that it was, it was surprising to, to the extent of bizarre is probably a good, another good word for it. Yeah, I would almost would have, 
been even more okay with he just if they opened the season and he Emmett was gone yeah. or something. I would have almost preferred yeah, that. No, if he if actually they, went to Anchorage or whatever, like yeah, or they give him the Harry Tang treatment of yeah. being like, oh, we have to, you know, you need to go somewhere far away for yeah. spy related reasons. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, that was my that was my kill. Okay, let's move into the scooter scale. The number of corn dogs, zero to five corn dogs, that we are giving this episode. Uh, you you want me to go first? Sure, if you want to. Oh, okay. Um. So I'm going to give this episode 2.5 corn dogs. I admittedly, this episode is the first after the show was nearly canceled. So it makes sense that it's kind of awkward and clunky at points as everyone tries to regain their footing, try mm-hmm. to figure out how to uh, set a new course. For a similar reason, I suspect that most fans at the time, including myself, were probably just happy to have Chuck back on the air mm-hmm. and to begin a new season when this episode so perhaps there was a little bit of rose tinted glasses going on um the budget is cheaper now too so there were i feel like as we discussed some more glaring moments of special effects or locations not being as seamless as they could be overall i feel like the episode tries to do too much and it doesn't do anything particularly well i think it would have been a lot more interesting and more effective if the season premiere picked up right after where season two left off and the first episode is following Chuck during his time in Prague doing mm-hmm. the training. And then Sarah's in his ear the whole time about like formulating this plan to run away. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the episode, they go to the train station and Chuck says that he doesn't want to go. And that's how that episode ends. Mm-hmm. And then, or maybe the episode like ends with that, but then it, it shows them somehow going back to Burbank or Chuck gets fired. Mm-hmm. So it's like even more, tragic that he turned down Sarah because the thing that he was turning down Sarah for doesn't even exist for him anymore. Mm -hmm. So I think that would have made more sense. And then you could also, if you wanted to have like a B plot or something during that episode, you could show Morgan and Anna breaking up or you could show Ellie and Dan, uh, Ellie and Devin eyeing the apartment across the way. Mm -hmm. So when those things happen, they're not so out of the blue. Mm -hmm. And then, and the second episode is when Chuck is depressed and trying to, reacclimate to the Burmak situation trying to get mm-hmm. his job back at the buy more and everything like that so if i was <laughs> going to be a monday morning quarterback on that one that is how i would change everything and for that reason i give it 2.5 because i feel like it was kind of a little messy at times so if nbc had taken you up on your offer to write episodes of chuck that's what <laughs> have done. uh yes i'm sure very similar to that yes <laughs> So um, we differ vastly, I just want to say. Really? <laughs> yes. Vastly. Okay. Vastly. I love it. Okay. What's um, up? This is like when I, so when we were talking about this, like, so I, I just did my score like based on, cause I watched this episode a couple days ago. I just went gut feeling. What is my, what do mm-hmm. I feel about this episode? And while we were talking about it, I was like, do I want to change it? Like what Chris is saying makes a lot of sense. Like I agree that that maybe would have been a better way to structure it. Like there were some messy parts. I didn't really like the Emmett thing. I didn't really like some of the, some of the choices with Sarah. Um, so I was thinking, do I want to change my score? And then I'm like, I'm going to fucking double down on it. So, uh, here I am with five corn dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Five corn dogs. This is the perfect episode of Chuck to you. Yes. Um, wow this truly is the season of Aaron. i don't know if it's the perfect episode of chuck but i feel like 
I've been feeling, I think I had been feeling like, I mean, this, there's a lot of factors to this. This could be the start of a new season. I'm feeling, I'm feeling like good about it. I'm feeling a lot of hope. Um, this could be that we had a little break from Chuck and I'm mm-hmm. like back in and I'm excited. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, I feel like this was what I remember loving about Chuck. Like, just like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm surprised too, but I just like, I liked, um, I don't know. Like it had, it had all of it, the elements that I really like. Yeah. All the beats. I, I liked, I like Chuck. Morgan didn't do anything egregious. Like mm-hmm. it was, it just feel felt like a really good setup, and I was excited. Like, and I know I keep coming back to this, but like, I remember the train station thing as like the end of the season because I remember it being like a huge deal, and like usually that would happen at the end of the season where it's like mm-hmm. this big dramatic thing. Right. And they choose instead to start the season with it, which is like, um, it like I agree that it could have been a little bit more effective, like if they'd shuffled it around a little bit, but uh, kind of having like a little train metaphor, I feel like you know this is really like setting laying the tracks. This is really like getting us in. Like this is a great place to start, and there's they're gonna like they're gonna hit a lot. They're gonna have a lot of like emotional beats that they can hit throughout the season because of this betrayal, and I think it's exciting. I for one am glad that you have that perspective because I'm. <laughs> As a train passenger, I'm like, I don't know where this train's going. I don't know if I love this train ride, but you are very enthusiastic. So yeah. I, um, yeah, I just, I, that's, that's great. Is that your first five corndog rating I ever? I don't think I think so. it I think, is. Uh, is it? Well, you're the it one might who has be. the chart. I, I do have the chart. So, but I, well, I, it's not the first one we've ever done because I know you've had a couple fives, but. Yeah, you, I gave um, the first, the, the season two premiere, I gave five corndogs okay. to. So um, I'm doubling wow. down on it. That's that's exciting. Literally doubled your score. <laughs> wow. Congrats. You beat me. Way <laughs> to go. Uh, yeah, that's impressive. I think this this really just got a lot more interesting. This surely is the season of Aaron. I should point uh, out at this point that when our executive producers offered me a promotion, they said I had to be more enthusiastic and give all the episodes uh, high ratings. <laughs> oh, OK. But, you know, that doesn't have anything to do with this. I did really think this was a five star five quarter. Maybe, maybe that's why I'm giving it low ratings, because I the executive producers are yeah. already kind of mm-hmm. signaling to me that I'm on my way out yeah. anyways. So I'm not, yep. you know, whatever uh yeah well there you have it season season three episode one chuck versus the pink slip a polarizing episode (laughs) for aaron and i i look forward to seeing how rest of the the rest of the season goes will it be equally as polarizing who knows i guess we'll find out i hope you will join us as we as we find out do you have thoughts about the season three premiere let us know email us at go chuck yourself podcast at gmail.com or tweet at us at go chuck pod is that that's the twitter thing right Yeah, yeah yeah It only took us three seasons to memorize to the handles for everything. Yeah. Well, no one uh, follows us anyway. Follow us and then we won't say that anymore. Follow us and ask us or tell us if you if you have thoughts. Uh, yeah. How do we end this thing? <laughs> Let's board that train. Chris, would you like to run away with me to uh, the, this episode not recording anymore? <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, I would very much like that. Let's right. hop on this train and go to a hibachi hibachi grill Perfect. and have dinner can't wait uh my name is chris gillespie reminding you that specifically hibachi grills and i guess more particularly lemons food is sexy that was very very uh well put chris um Thank you. this is 
Aaron Arata letting you know that anything is possible. Just like Aaron giving an episode five corn dogs. I'm back, baby. Season of Aaron. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. As always, a big thanks to the artist Hadakoa and the fine folks at freemusicarchive.org for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. If you want to drop us a line, you can reach us at gochuckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to tweet at us, it's at gochuckpod. Don't forget to like and subscribe to Go Chuck Yourself on your preferred podcast platform. New episodes come out every Monday morning and you do not want to miss a new episode. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. Bye bye.